Welcome to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast, where we cut through the confusion and get down to the truth about what really works for real people when it comes to losing weight, having incredible health, and a body that you love. We believe that losing weight is really about gaining life, doing things you never thought you could, having renewed confidence, and enjoying your body more than ever. I'm your host, Corey Little. Now let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to all of you incredible, amazing people who are smart enough to listen to this podcast. That's you. You're hearing these words, therefore you're listening, therefore you are smart enough to listen to this podcast and not fall for all of the stupid, trendy diets and, and you know, super lose 20 pounds in two weeks fast, you know, go super fast weight loss programs, all that crappy stuff that never works in the long run. And you know it never works in the long run, and that's why you're listening today. And that's actually a little bit of what we're going to get into today. Um, a few episodes back, I think it was episode number 109, I talked about diet myths, like terrible diet myths that need to die, <laughs> that are just horrible and we need to put them out of our head. Well, today, we're going to get into a little bit more of that. Um, we'll answer that question of, okay, wait a minute, will bread keep me from losing weight? We're going to answer that. And I'm also covering a few other diet and food food myths. Man, that word's hard for me to say. Myth. I'm covering some other diet and food myths that are just not true. Not from what you read on some weird cryptic like website that someone runs from their parents' basement. Not that. But they're not true based off of dun 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 science and research. So they're just not backed up by legitimate science. So let's jump into it. What do you say? I got four different things for you, and we are starting number one with bread. So is bread bad for you? And will it keep you from losing weight? Are you ready for the answer? Give me the drum roll, please. I don't know if you can hear that. That's my drum drum roll. No. And no, no, bread is not bad for you. And no, it will not keep you from losing weight. So I'll explain. See, for a lot of people, I, I get it. Bread has become like the devil food that you should avoid at all costs. It's like, oh, if I, I can always lose weight if I just give up my bread. Oh, bread's keeping me from losing weight. It's like, the, it's the devil, man. It's horrible. And you'll often hear two things associated with bread. Number one, that bread will make you fat. And number two, that bread contains lots of gluten. And then, well, of course we know, right? Gluten is bad for you. So let's get past these two statements, or let's further investigate these two statements and just get to the truth here. So can bread make you fat? Well, sure, pretty pretty much any food can, except for raw vegetables. Well, wait a minute, Corey, you just told me that, that bread won't keep me from losing weight, but now you're saying, well, sure, it can make me fat. Right, listen, please pay attention. Can bread make you fat? Yes, as I said, pretty much any food can. But, Will bread definitely make you fat? No, not at all. See, the problem is bread is a somewhat calorically dense food. Now, maybe you've heard that term. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you know what it means. Maybe you don't. But I'll give you a quick explanation right now. So if we looked at food um, and how, like, if we looked at different foods and how many um, calories are in a certain volume of food. So let's look at a piece of bread, for example. So one piece of bread, I'm just making things up. Let's say it has 100 calories. Okay, one piece of bread. And then we look at how much broccoli you need to eat to get 100 calories. And it would be this giant bowl of broccoli. It would be more broccoli than you would ever eat. 
So therefore, broccoli is calorically sparse. It means there's not many calories in a certain volume, a certain unit of broccoli. It means you have to eat a ton of broccoli to get a certain amount of calories. Whereas bread or other foods that are calorically dense, it means you eat much less of that food. It's a much smaller volume of the food, but you get a higher amount of calories. You get the, you know, the, the same amount of calories, if we're comparing broccoli and bread, you get the same amount of calories in a much smaller volume. Hopefully that makes sense. And calorically dense foods are known to be culprits to either prevent weight loss um, or slow weight loss or cause weight gain. So as I said, the problem with bread is that it's somewhat calorically dense. And then we just make matters worse. Let's not forget this because we smear on other super calorically dense foods like mayonnaise, which is pure fat, or jam or jelly, which is pure sugar, or peanut butter or plain butter. So we take one calorically dense food, you know, a nice little punch of calories, and then we go, ooh, wait a minute, let me put on some other calorically dense foods. And here's the thing, guys, your brain is wired to love calorically dense foods because back a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, however many years ago, whatever, back when food was sparse and we couldn't just find it on every corner, you know, 99 cents for a hamburger. Back then, it got hardwired into our genetics to crave and want calorically dense foods because it was a bigger bang for our buck and it was going to help keep us alive longer. Now we have the opposite problem. <laughs> we don't need calorically dense foods to stay alive. Calorically dense foods are killing us. Well, it's not just calorically dense foods, but we're, instead of starving to death, we're eating ourselves to death in 2021. So the problem is not, or the issue is not that bread definitely will make you fat. It's that bread can slow down or prevent weight loss, not because it's inherently evil, but because it is a calorically dense food, and we usually eat it with a bunch of other calorically dense foods. So let me be very clear. There's nothing inherently evil or fattening about bread. It's just that a little goes a long way. And then we just, like I said, we make matters worse by adding foods to bread that make it a big, huge calorie bomb. Okay? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Hold on, Corey. What about... What about all of that evil gluten that's in bread? You just talked a bunch about calories. So what? I have read over and over and over again, Corey, just how evil gluten is. Look, if you're not careful, the internet will convince you that gluten and like all of the modern day grains are the nutritional equivalent of a child molester. It's like, oh, this is terrible. And, you know, you've got, you must avoid it at all cost. See, diet marketers, they're looking for any angle to catch your attention. And then the hype you might read, the headline is something like, oh, can't lose weight? Question mark. It's not your fault. The secret culprit is gluten. So gluten is evil, right? Well, actually, no, <laughs> at least not according to science. Actually, only about 1% of Americans have celiac disease. That's a serious autoimmune disease that requires complete and total gluten elimination. It's not like you have to reduce it. You have to completely eliminate it. And that is a disease that can be diagnosed through a number of different medical tests. But wait, hold on, hold on. What about gluten sensitivity, Corey? Maybe I don't have celiac. I tested negative for celiac, but I am convinced I have a gluten sensitivity. Well, a recently published study in the journal Digestion, the scientific journal called Digestion, it found that 86% of individuals who believed they were gluten sensitive could actually tolerate gluten with no problem. 
So, gluten sensitivity is real. Let's let's be honest, it's real and it exists. But there's a really good chance, around an 86% chance, that what you might think is a gluten issue is actually something else. Like maybe a crappy, inconsistent diet issue. Oh my gosh, did I say that? I'm sorry. That was that was my inner voice coming out. So maybe the gluten issue is really some other issue. And you can actually tolerate and digest gluten just fine. It's just that we're looking for some culprit. So gluten sensitivity is real. But gluten sensitivity is not the same thing as gluten allergy. A gluten allergy is called celiac disease. And there are medical tests to determine if you have that or not. Gluten sensitivity is totally different. And the vast majority of people who think they have a gluten sensitivity really don't. It could be other things. So that is our first topic today. Will bread make you fat? Is it bad? Is gluten evil? Next up, number two, let's move on to some other diet myths that aren't really helpful and that need to die that science does not support. Diet myth number two, that if you want to lose weight, to lose weight, don't eat anything before bed. Oh my goodness, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, man, I, I really try to not eat anything after 6 p.m. Well, hold on, what time do you go to bed? Uh, about 11, 11 So wait a minute, you're going five, five and a half hours with no food before bed? No wonder it's so hard for you to not snack at nighttime. Dear God, that's a really long time. And then what if you stay up later? I mean, good grief. So here's the thing. Is there any credence to this? Does it help you lose weight to avoid, does it, does avoiding food for a certain period of time before bed help you to lose weight? Well, some studies uh, will show a slight advantage for people who, uh, like studies kind of categorize people into early eaters and late eaters. So people who eat during the latter part of their day versus people who eat in the earlier part of their day. And some studies show that, yeah, there may be a weight loss advantage, a fat loss advantage for the early eaters, the people who eat earlier in the day. Um, and they may have a slight advantage, but it's really nothing that impressive. Um, it's not, <laughs> it's not a big enough advantage for you to try to totally shift your lifestyle. Um, so the other thing we have to consider is just real life. Like I said, your lifestyle, if it doesn't, naturally lead to you being an early eater, well then if you try to cut food out of the last five or six hours of your day, that's not going to be helpful. That's just going to screw you up in the long term. If you guys, you hear me say it all the time on this podcast, whatever diet or food tactic or dietary trick or whatever you're doing, if you can't maintain it long term, don't even start it. Don't even do it. Because even if you get results, they're going to go away as soon as you stop that thing. So don't try to shift your entire day around just to get some tiny, tiny, tiny weight loss advantage that quote unquote early eaters have over late eaters. But see, here's, here's the other thing that I would encourage you to maybe pay more attention to. What research has found is that there's another reason that people who may eat later in the day may not have quite as much of a weight loss advantage. And that is because when it's late in the day, we're tired and we don't have as much discipline. And sometimes we eat just to try to keep ourselves going. And when we don't have as much discipline and we're eating, guess what? <laughs> we are much more likely to reach for foods that will not help us move towards weight loss. How many times is it 1030 or 11 at night and you think, oh, I want a snack. I think I'll have some raw broccoli. <laughs> it's not the way it works, is it? So we will reach for snacks and treats that are tasty and that are probably calorically dense. So rather than trying to cut out all foods at night, maybe we just need to 
look at what we're eating in that last three to four hours before bed and try to make some adjustments there. And ultimately, here's the thing that the research shows again and again and again, whether you are an early eater or a late eater, the biggest determinant for your weight loss success is caloric input versus caloric output. So basically your daily caloric intake versus how many calories you're burning. It doesn't matter when you eat them. That's the biggest determining factor. Okay, next up, the next myth I want to cover. Number three, you should eat quote unquote natural foods and natural is always better. I mean, this just makes us feel good, doesn't it? Like it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. We like to feel good in words or phrases like natural or all natural or 100% natural. They make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. They just feel healthier and, and like mentally they just seem better to us, don't they? Like, how could I go wrong eating all natural? I can't, I mean, that that has to be a safe bet. Well, (laughs) if you've listened to this podcast any amount of time, you know how I feel about the word natural. Poison ivy and cow poop are all natural, but I certainly don't want to touch them, much less eat them. But let's take a look a little deeper into this. Let's take a look at what food labels say and what they actually mean when there's something like all natural on them. And here's the thing. The answer isn't quite as simple as you would think. We actually need to divide the food into two categories. And in the first category, we have meat. And then in the second category, everything else, like all of the other foods you would eat. So for meat, the quote-unquote natural claim, so if if, uh, some meat has the word natural or all natural on it, that just means that the product is no more than quote-unquote minimally processed And it does not contain any artificial ingredients like chemical preservatives or artificial flavoring or coloring. But get this, don't, don't right now you may be thinking, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I want from a natural food, but get this, hang with me. That word natural on your meat, it doesn't necessarily mean that the cow or the pig or the chicken or whatever wasn't given antibiotics and or hormones before it became a food product. A meat that you're buying and plan on cooking and eating when it's still an animal before it becomes the meat in the package, when it's still an animal, it could be given all sorts of chemicals because those are two uniquely different things, the animal versus the meat. (laughs) So just to be clear, all that natural means for a meat product is that it is no more than minimally processed according to the USDA standards. Basically natural just refers to the lack of added ingredients not what the livestock was or wasn't given while it was alive. Now, if we jump from meats to all other non-meat foods, natural basically doesn't mean crap. <laughs> Seriously, the current FDA, uh, currently the FDA has no formal like definition for the quote-unquote natural label. So it's really loosey-goosey as to what can be called natural. Suddenly... If we're honest, eating all natural doesn't feel quite as warm and fuzzy, does it? It doesn't feel quite as good to us. And and here's the thing that's so funny to me. We want to buy some processed food in a cardboard box with all kinds of bright colors and designs on the outside that are luring us in. But then we want to look for the word natural to make us feel better, (laughs) to make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But the real natural foods 
fruits, and vegetables. They're just quietly sitting in the produce section with no label and nothing that says natural. You know why? Because they don't need to say they're natural because it's obvious. They're not insecure foods. (laughs) They don't have to talk about how great they are. They know how amazing they are. Food manufacturers know how amazing the fruits and vegetables are in the produce section. So they don't have to put a bunch of labels that say, hey, look at me, I'm natural. Hey, look at me, I'm good for you. We all know that broccoli or spinach or tomatoes or avocados or green beans or apples or whatever, we all know those things are great for us. So the food manufacturers don't have to remind you. And maybe that's something you should remember. The more a food has to scream at you with its packaging about how great it is, maybe that's a sign of how not great it is. Not always, but maybe. I would call that an insecure food. (laughs) Okay, next up, our fourth and final food and diet myth. Fresh produce is more nutritious than frozen or canned produce. And frozen and canned vegetables really aren't that good. Like, you should always go for fresh. Oh, my goodness. I've actually had people come to me for coaching, someone who is 30 plus pounds overweight and they have high cholesterol, borderline type two diabetic and high triglycerides. And they'll say, oh, 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 you know, I don't eat canned or frozen vegetables, only fresh. (laughs) At that point, I know we've got some work to do. And I instantly want to say, um, how's that been working out for you? But I don't, (laughs) I don't do that. I just begin explaining to them what I'm about to explain to you right now. Fresh, the word fresh, just like the word natural, it sounds good. It makes us feel great inside. It may sound better than canned or frozen, but it's not. Just because a food is fresh doesn't necessarily mean it's more nutritious. While there are some differences between fresh and frozen, overall the nutritional content is very, very similar. And there are actually some fruits and veggies that have more nutrients when they're frozen versus when they're being transported and stored at normal air temperature. Now, canned produce, you could argue it's a little different. It could be considered a little more processed than fresh or frozen. And we don't like that word, do we? We like natural and fresh, but we don't like processed. Processed just sounds and feels not good. But here's the thing. (laughs) Cooking. Like when you get that food home, whatever, the fresh produce or the frozen or the canned, whatever, cooking it is also a form of processing. And different ways of cooking can affect the produce's nutrient content and the bioavailability of the nutrients, which basically means how well your body absorbs those nutrients. And and the cooking can affect those things way more than whether that food is fresh or frozen or canned. So here's what I like to tell my clients. Get your pen, grab your pen, take it. this note. You ready? This is the maybe the big truth of the day. Just eat your dang veggies. <laughs> Stop finding excuses to not eat them. Stop making it more complicated than it needs to be. Just eat your dang veggies. There's not much difference between fresh, frozen, and canned produce. But you know what? There is a ton of difference between consistently eating vegetables and consistently not eating vegetables. So eat your dang veggies, whether they're fresh or frozen or canned, whatever. Just make it happen. Sound good? 
Okay, good. I hope you took notes. I hope you got that down. Just in case you missed it, eat your dang veggies. <laughs> okay, guys, let's do a quick review. Number one, first and foremost, bread is not inherently evil. It will not automatically make you fat or keep you from losing weight. But we must realize that it is a calorically dense food. So you can't just eat a ton of it and then expect to lose weight and be fit and trim, especially if we're smearing on a bunch of other calorically dense foods. Next up, number two, you can lose weight eating right before bed or cutting off your food three hours or five hours or four hours or however long before bed or anything in between. It doesn't matter. The ultimate determinant is whether or not you used, you burned more calories than you consumed on that particular day. Next up, number three, while choosing and eating natural foods might make us feel like we're doing something great for ourselves, it's just not necessarily true. A quote-unquote natural food, when you see a natural label on meat or other food, it really doesn't mean quite as much as we think it means. And the real natural foods are the ones chilling out over in the produce section that don't require any label. And then number four, in case you missed it, and you probably want to punch me in the face when I say it again, just eat your dang veggies. <laughs> Consistently eating vegetables is one of the best things you can do for your health and your weight loss goals. And there's very little difference between canned or frozen or fresh. So don't overcomplicate it. If you want to overcomplicate it a little bit and you're eating canned vegetables, look for the ones that have no sodium added. We can throw that in there. But the bottom line, just eat them. <laughs> I hope this has been helpful. Don't forget about my two free resources. Number one, my anti-diet class where I talk about three things that people normally get totally wrong, kind of backwards when it comes to losing weight. And then I talk about how you can correct those three things to move towards weight loss in a healthy, sustainable, low stress kind of way. And then the second free resource is called Catalyst. It's an audio program. It's kind of like almost like a series of podcast episodes where I talk about the diet industry and how they kind of almost implant things in our head and kind of program us wrong, program us backwards when it comes to losing weight and how we can flip that, start to see things differently and move forward in a positive direction. You can find the link for both of those two free resources in the, uh, what's it called? In the show notes, <laughs> in the show notes for this episode or for the anti-diet class, you can go to that website, antidietclass.com. Now, before I wrap up, always remember there's so much more to you than one number. So don't let the scales dominate your headspace or dictate your emotions. And losing weight is incredible, but losing weight is really all about gaining life and living the life you've always wanted. And I know you can do it. I see people have incredible success every week. So even if you don't believe in yourself, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. I got you back. You keep listening. You can borrow my belief and we'll get you there. Sound good? Good. Okay. Take care, guys. Much love. God bless. Bye-bye.